Hi and welcome to What's Next, Rethinking Architecture. I'm Therese, your host, and for this week's episode, I have, as always, a super interesting guest for you, Studio Jakob Selawi, a young architecture office from Vienna. I'm super excited, so let's get started and have fun listening. Hello, good morning, Jacob. Thank you so much for taking the time. How are you today? Thank you, Therese. Uh, thank you also for inviting me. I am I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good too, thank you. The weather is getting better. Yesterday it rained the whole day, but today um, it's better. That's always a good a good sign, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before we start with the actual interview, please introduce yourself. Sure. Um, so my name is Jakob Selawi. I am an architect based in Vienna, and um, I have my practice now since I would say around 2016, 2017, and um, I'm also currently a lecturer at the Technical University of uh, Vienna. Okay, we will come back later to this, and we start the interview in general with some warm-up questions, sure. and the first one would be what's your favorite drink alcoholic non-alcoholic okay um yeah so i i have to say i i do like um the kind of atmosphere of of bars and the whole uh social situations that um that occur in such environments and um because of the pandemic i think this is not a, a big surprise um this wasn't possible and um a drink that i that I do always like to order is uh, a gimlet. Mm -hmm. And um, so I've been trying to to make that at home, <laughs> but uh, I have been told it's a pretty simple drink, um, but I still haven't managed um, to make one properly. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're going to have uh, some more time to try it before you can go to the bar again. I hope not too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could develop a new skill overnight, what would it be? Anything. You can, mm -hmm. it can be magic. It can be anything. Well, I'll probably learn how to make such a drink, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you wouldn't want to fly or have laser eyes or something. I'm, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty happy with my, with my <laughs> abilities. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And then last question. What is your favorite hobby besides architecture? Um, what I also started, this is also recent and I guess um, part of the whole pandemic situation was uh, getting into cycling. So I, I got pretty religious, I think you could say about it. I've been really? cycling almost, almost every day now for about a year, yeah. How long do you cycle then every day? Um, it's not it's not too long. I mean, I go in the morning for around a half an hour or so hmm. before the day starts, and um, yeah, it um, it's just a, a nice activity. Oh, that's that's really good. Maybe I should think about it and start something before the day starts too. <laughs> I can I can recommend it. <laughs> 
I'm not an early bird. That's <laughs> well, you can, uh, you know, some people do it at night, so maybe that's an option. That's maybe that's my thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you are a really young architecture office. Could you describe your first steps in becoming self-employed? Because I'm asking myself uh, that question all the time. How do they do it? Where do mm -hmm. they find their clients? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I think um, it um, it's a mixture of, in some ways, I guess, being lucky and taking chances. If they're um, if they're presented to you, I remember I was um, I was studying in Tokyo. I, I did my masters uh, in Tokyo. Um, at the uh, Tokyo Institute of Technology, studying with uh, Yoshiharu Tsukamoto. And at the time I was still a student and um, there was an old friend of mine. She she basically left Europe and um, she was on the road trip in the US and decided to relocate to Nicaragua for some reason. And um, asked me one day if I would be interested in, in helping uh, her to, de to design a hotel basically. And uh, that's pretty much you could say, I guess, the first built or major project I had. And um, from then on, I, I've been traveling back and forth to Nicaragua, um, I guess, twice a year, you could say. But that's super interesting. First question would be, why did you choose Tokyo? I, well, it's a good question. I mean, I... Maybe I have to say also I was I was born in the U.S. Um, to an Algerian father and an Austrian mother, and uh, I was raised in Tyrol basically from the age of seven. Mm -hmm. And I guess there's always been somehow uh, an element of of travel or of feeling slightly dislocated in my my personal history in some ways. And um, Tokyo has always been sort of a a desired place since I was pretty young, I would say. And um, and then comes this aspect of opportunities. There was an opportunity at the time I, I saw you could um, do a master's in, in Tokyo. And this was mm -hmm. while I was still studying um, in my bachelor at the TU here in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And I, I basically took that opportunity. And um, I was there for two to three years. I, I went to Tokyo and finished my master there and um, had a very good time in, in Tokyo. Wow, did you learn the language? Well, I, I, to be honest, I, I don't know, I don't know how to speak the language properly as far as I could get uh, was always um, ordering drinks and, and food, <laughs> basically, that's um, sort of the izakaya Japanese, that's what I call it. <laughs> so it's, um, it's a very um, basic skill in Japanese, I would say. But that's super interesting. Starting, starting your your work life with a hotel. Were you were you excited? I mean, were you were you nervous about it? If you if you could manage that. Um, I I think the the advantage of of starting when you're young is also knowing that you don't um, know a lot. So being naive in some ways and um, is, is an advantage, was an advantage at that time. So I, I thought it, um, it didn't make me nervous in, in some ways. It was very exciting. Um, 
it was an opportunity to do work and um, I just started basically. I didn't really think much of it. That's really super interesting. But you're not just an architect, you're also a teacher, a researcher, and you also do exhibitions. What are you currently working on? Well, um, currently we're in the studio here, we're working on uh, several projects in um, Vienna and uh, the surrounding, and there's also a project in, in Portugal at the moment. Um, oh. They're basically renovation projects, you could say. They're renovation mm -hmm. projects. Some of them are new construction, but most of the, most of the work is um, our renovation projects. And um, I mean, there are different fields um, of engagement, I would say. I mean, there is the teaching part, um, there is the project-based work, and um, there is, of course, uh, what you call research. Um, they're all, I would say, different fields um, that kind of inform each other. And um, what I like about it is basically that that they kind of keep each other in check or they they hold each other accountable. So if I write about something, I, I test it or I have the building or the built project that in a way uh, works as a, a vice versa to, you know, to, to basically see if these things you're thinking, if they kind of hold up to reality. And um, for me, I think I should also mention that um, the way I see my, my own work is surrounded uh, around this um, aspect of, of being a practice. And by practice, I mean being engaged in some ways in, um, in adding something to the real world or to the physical world. So practice in the sense as um, opposed to theory, um, let's say just for the sake of theory, uh, this is not something that I really work with. So theory and practices are, you could say, um, two sides of the same coin. What is most important to you in, in your work, in all your designs? Before we go to the exhibition later, mm -hmm. what, is, what is the most important part? Is there something like a most important part? Is there something you would like to transfer through your work? Um, I mean, there are of course parts that are important. I would I would call it um, concerns. There are certain concerns that that I have in the work, and um, I think most of it is is based on um, on certain on a certain um, observance. I, um, I remember it, it pretty much started, um, it pretty much started, I think, in, in Tokyo, where I would basically take photos of, of buildings and the surroundings that I was passing by every day, because I didn't really have an idea about Japan before, you know, I, um, mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone, I basically went there. And I had to make sense of it somehow. So um, it was really based on, on observing surroundings and taking photographs more as a kind of as a kind of sketch, a mental sketch or a note in some ways. And um, I've always been kind of drawn to or interested in um, in anonymous and unedited situations. And these were basically the things that I've been um, recording. So. Um, why do the things look the way they look like? And uh, especially these situations, there were never designers or architects or professionals involved. 
they were just uh, people more or less living their lives and engaging with their surroundings. And this is something that always fascinated me. And um, and this is, I guess, sort of in some ways, the origins of, of my own design process or my own thinking about architecture is, is, um, is surrounded around these aspects of what you could call uh, the everyday or the informal or the anonymous um, way of um, understanding space. Does it have to do anything with the exhibition Weak Potentials? Because it's like hashtag good enough architecture. Uh, it sounds well, yes. familiar. It is. Um, I mean, of course, it's um, it's part of a of a of a process of a work process. Mm -hmm. um, and um, you mentioned the exhibition project, uh, the Wick Potential. This yeah. is um, an, a project that was invited by um, last year. Um, by Magazine, which is an exhibition space for um, contemporary architecture in Vienna. Mm -hmm. And um, sort of the beginning thoughts were really, um, what if architecture were to start from a place of inadequacy or shortcoming or a kind of a deficiency, um, as opposed to maybe this approach that always seeks to offer, let's say, a perfect solution for a kind of a problem or something like that. And there's also kind of um, against this ideology of that there is an ideal or a perfect uh, situation um, you can arrive at. And uh, this was pretty much, I, I guess, you could say the starting questions for that uh, for that exhibition. And. How important is is nature to you, also in terms of good enough architecture? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, how should we build? How can architecture operate nowadays? And maybe that's also um, bringing architecture back to its purest form. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think what I could what I could say about it is that um, I think there's a, I mean, for me at least, I, I believe there's there's a kind of a confession necessary on part of architecture. And uh, this is pretty much um, what I've been trying to work on with the exhibition. Um, and what I mean by confess is that um, pretty much also like human beings, I think architecture in some ways would have to confess that it's, Self is deeply flawed and full of contradictions and that it can never um, get everything right in some ways. So it always is, is, is full of contradictions. Mm -hmm. And um, the question is, uh, is there a potential within all of this? Can weakness or fragility, if you, if you will, can that be a potential for developing, um, for developing architecture? And um, you mentioned nature. Um, there was... Um, an exhibition project as well last year on invitation by the LA Forum for Architecture and Urbanism, mm -hmm. um, created by uh, Wendy Jill Martin and co-created by Nina Briggs. And um, it was a group exhibition. And um, because of the events of not being able to have a exhibition indoors because of the pandemic, that was basically just unfolding. It was last year, I think in, in, in June, I think it was planned for June. It happened later on then. And the idea was to do it in the city. So um, all of these 
participants, they just had different sites that were either chosen or were assigned or were suggested by the, the curatorial team. And um, my my idea was to um, to use a backyard of a residential house, basically, because during the time, I should also mention I was in Los Angeles at the time for um, the Mark Schindler residency, which was about half a year. Mm -hmm. And I was very interested in these sort of leftover spaces in the city. Um, LA is a place where the, um, the prices for real estate have pretty much skyrocketed, um, I guess over the last 10 years and are continuing to do so. And um, space is sort of a, a very valuable resource or um, land you could say is a very valuable resource. And I was always wondering, well, what happens with all of these spaces that are sort of neglected or overseen or um, not really used or utilized for um, for living purposes or or different kind of purposes, and um, mm. this is sort of I guess aligned you could say with infrastructural space. So what do we do with all of these systems and infrastructures that um, that we kind of create to uphold a certain way of living, a certain kind of lifestyle? And um, I I discovered this um, backyard space which had a a kind of a stairs, a staircase that nobody really knew how did it come there, uh, what was the idea, what was was it designed for, what was its purpose. So it was really a, a place that um, that had a lot of question marks, mm -hmm. and uh, I thought it would be a great a great you know place to do something. And um, the proposal was then, um, or the the installation was called a, a space for doing nothing. Yeah. Also, in some ways, aligned with this idea of do we always have to do something? Does uh, does always something have to happen? Mm -hmm. And uh, also, pretty much, I guess um, you could say related to this idea of the confession I was speaking about before. Mm -hmm. And um, but the project is pretty much how um, how architecture could be seen as um, not a detached or an isolated object but is actually always deeply entangled with all kinds of also non-human realities um, mm -hmm. that are, of course, always far from, from perfect in some ways. And how does architecture or how can architecture kind of partake in this, in this sort of dialogue with, with its surroundings and um, maybe also see these infrastructural um, situations as being able to have spatial qualities and and also suggest an architecture in some ways in its in its own right so maybe also a kind of an architecture that is not uh, per se created by by humans and um, that was pretty much the thoughts or these ideas that I had um, for that for that um, exhibition at that time I I really much like the title the space for doing nothing because doing nothing always has this negative touch, but I don't think that's that's right. Doing nothing is maybe positive <laughs> in in some in some uh, parts of life. Maybe sometimes you just have to do nothing. I mean, it's true. I mean, there's also the question: Is it even possible to do nothing or nothing at all? But um, something I was also thinking about when. Um, when thinking about this title was 
is it always something that has to be productive or this idea of production um, more in relation with, with industry mm-hmm. or with a certain kind of um, market thinking that um, one goes to an exhibition or one goes to a place and there always has to be some sort of event or some kind of uh, program uh, that one consumes. And um, well, the idea was here, um, the structure is, is, is pretty much just a, um, like a tent, you could say. There's, mm-hmm. there's no content, if you, if you will, there is just the, the space itself and a certain view and the architecture frames or kind of brings together that situation um, and kind of marks marks a, a certain space. And did you actually try doing nothing there? Did you manage it? Well, I have to say um, this this exhibition I haven't even seen in person because of Corona, basically because of the pandemic. Um, I wasn't able to be there. Uh, it was scheduled to happen earlier on, and then it was pushed back a few months. Um, at that time, I was already back in, in Vienna, and it was kind of a, a project that was um, done very much on Zoom and very much also by the help of the people and the team um, in Los Angeles. So the only, the only um, idea I have about the project is seeing it through the, the photographs mm-hmm. and um, um, talking with the people who, who, have, who have been there, who have seen it. So in that sense, maybe I have really done nothing, or I have, I even haven't been able to to do nothing. <laughs> How does your design process look like? Could you describe the process by means of an example? If you actually start, for example, mm-hmm. a hotel or whatever you're working on right now. It's um it's actually pretty similar does not really matter that much if it's let's say an installation for an exhibition or if it's a building mm-hmm. um, I would say the origins of of the of the interest is that, as I mentioned in these very um, unedited situations or these kind of situations that more or less happen by chance or happen um, without there being um, a designer present so um, the The process or what I or how I see my work is basically responding to a situation and um, I like the word response very much because there is a given situation in my opinion there's always a situation there's always something that's there and um, what I do is 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 responding in a way to to such situations and there's always things concerns either by a client or by certain um, building regulations or by a site or by whatever. And uh, these things, they have agency in their own right. And um, they kind of, um, they kind of uh, frame a project, as you will. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea is not to sort of um, resolve it. I I don't try to resolve these situations. I try to to kind of um, respond or, or partake more in this, this idea of a dialogue. There are a lot mm-hmm. of things that are being said. So I'm also trying to add something. Sometimes it's better to be silent. Maybe you don't have to add things every time. Maybe sometimes it's just enough to be present. And um, that's, I guess, the, the thinking um, that I have when I approach a project. And um, what happens then in the studio is um, these 
um, these situations are then kind of uh, looked upon or uh, we first have to understand what is it, uh, who are we talking to, who are these actors or what are the concerns that are um, that a project has and that's pretty much um, or that is the starting point and then um, the way we work in the studio is then just to have a series of iterations and um, we do um, a lot of variations of of of, of different kinds of um, compositions you could say so it's not so much based on an idea. The design project doesn't, um, it's not based on an idea. I often also say that I don't really work with ideas. I, um, I, I kind of work by responding to situations. So um, it is a de design process that works very much with models. We have a lot of working models um, we use here yeah, in the I studio. wanted to ask, what, what CAD program do you use, for example? So I use ArchiCAD. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Do you work with BIM? Um, not so much. But you're in the process or you don't need it? Um, it's something we're starting slowly now, mm. yeah. Oh. Okay. And you, 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 you start modeling by with the cutter and the We have exactly it's it's basically um very cheap, uh simple materials, uh cardboard and stuff like that, mm -hmm. paper. And that's how we just um, test um, test things, and it's easy to change them. Um, basically, these models are also done very quick. It's not important that they they have an, a kind of aesthetic quality. It's just um, it's like a sketch, you could say, a, mm -hmm. a kind of a three dimensional sketch. And um, there are drawings, of course, and it's um, it's a process of trial and error. And it's it's a little bit like if you go to um, to see your eye doctor, and you get these these glasses and um, he always asks you is it better or worse yeah better or worse and then you arrive at a, at a point where you don't really know is it better or worse because it's kind of the same and that's <laughs> when I know that we kind of are in the right spot we kind of we arrived at a place mm -hmm. and um, I think that's how you could say that's kind of the, the process behind it hmm. and with all the background information you already gave us about yourself and your opinions. What means being an architect for you? Do I actually have to build something to call myself I, architect or I don't can think I just necessary. write about it or I, talk about it? Sure. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I think the, the great thing about um, doing architecture is that it's a, it's a pretty open field and it's, it's, it's fair game. Everyone has the option to engage um, the way he or she wants to. And um, I can only speak for myself, of course. Mm -hmm. um, for me, being an architect is, is deeply um, focused around um, practicing and practicing in, in physical reality. Mm -hmm. And um, that's basically what I do. Um, but as I said, it's um, it's not the only way to uh, <laughs> to be an architect. Of course, that's uh, <laughs> that's my my take on it. Because I hear a lot of times, don't you want to be a real architect someday? <laughs> And then I, I'm just asking myself, what means a real architect? 
Um, yeah. If there's a real architect, there also has to be a fake architect. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's a fake architect? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> and if we, uh, if we take a look into the future, where are we going relating artificial intelligence? Do you think our profession has to change somehow or align to the technology? I think um, it's always being done if we want it or not. It's not so much, I think, a decision. It's something that just happens um, by um, the progress we're making in certain areas, I guess, especially regarding technology. Mm -hmm. um, my my idea about all of this is um, is pretty much that um, there has to be, in my opinion, a kind of an awareness of the limitations that um, that are given in some ways. And I think this is something we have all more or less realized through um, the pandemic or the last year mm -hmm. that there is actually um, a line. There is actually there are boundaries. And there are also limitations. And um, I would probably go the other way. I wouldn't um, see technology maybe as something that um, will save us in the future, but maybe even the other way, maybe um, the future would have to be not more intelligent, but maybe more stupid in some ways. I think rather than becoming more and more intelligent is that by realizing these limitations that in a way, have always been there. They just have been uh, brought to surface in a very uncompromising way. Um, that architecture, in a way, has to rethink certain um, expectations. What do we have to deliver, or what does it mean even to build in some ways? Mm -hmm. And that's something I'm trying to give an answer for. The um, term I use for uh, for my own work is um, a good enough architecture, and a good enough architecture, in in my opinion, is is an architecture that is resor resourceful in some ways, that uh, tries to use what's available and is very pragmatic about it, mm -hmm. and uh, also accepts and acknowledges limitations that are um, that are given, and that we can't continue, um, you know, to to build the way we have been building for, for centuries, basically. Um, and there is a kind of a hidden optimism in there. I don't um, mean that in a cynical way. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious about, um, about that direction. And uh, I think um, it is a possibility, at least. I see it as a possibility as, um, for how our architecture could, um, could operate. And... I have to come back to nature. Do you think we should uh, make nature our only customer? And I maybe artificial intelligence could be a big um, opportunity to do so. Because our buildings consist of so many very different individual parts. And maybe we should align more to nature and have a look to nature. And... Um, rethinking this whole um, process of building in, in so many different parts. I think absolutely. 
um, IT technology is a, plays a crucial role in, um, in even being able to do so. I think even if you look into um, new economic theories where uh, nature itself is also seen as a resource and is also giving uh, given a certain value in some ways, I think the same way or, or in a similar way I think is necessary um, for architecture. So it's mm -hmm. not just a backdrop. It's not just uh, something you put in an image that is in that surrounds a building, but it's also a client in some ways. I would agree. I, I I don't know if it's the only client, but it is a client for sure. I think it has always been a client, and it has been a client that has been neglected in 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 many ways. And um, it would be um, a, a possibility would be to invite this client um, to the table. And also listening to the client and um, and um, creating architecture that also involves um, that point of perspective. Oh. That that's a beautiful sentence. Um, last question: What is architecture for you personally? You you already said a lot about architecture, but now maybe you can sum it up to to one sentence. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll take the risk of of disappointing with my answer, but oh, um, please no. <laughs> but um, I mean, for me, architecture and is, is something actually I, I thought about recently um, with getting into cycling and, and all of this. If you do something repeatedly, it becomes mm -hmm. automatic somehow. It's a practice. It's something I practice, and it's something that um, that in a way just happens. So it's maybe very unromantic to see architecture that way or, or what I, or how I see myself as an architect. I don't know if I, <laughs> if I, uh, if that is a, if that is a good answer to, to end it, but, um, it is a really good answer. I hope it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. What are your It's plans for today? Well, um, it's sunny for the first time since weeks. It feels like it's been weeks since the sun <laughs> has been out here in Vienna. We have a, a pretty bad winter here. Mm -hmm. So I guess uh, I'll try to, um, to get some sunshine if, if possible. And to cycle some more. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Then um, thank you for your time again. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Therese. Uh, thank you also for inviting me. So, that was this week's episode. It was such a pleasure getting to know Jakob Selawi. I hope you had as much fun as I had. And as always, please leave a comment. Until next time on What's Next. Ciao, ciao.